Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am all about the Astros. He did the right thing. Yeah, go Le'Veon. This series with the Rays reminds me of when the Astros were in the World Series in 2005. Dusty's like the grandfather everybody loved. Was just like we couldn't believe it, he couldn't believe it either. And I have a lot of memories of Jim Morgan. He touched so many players, fans, and people like us who do this as a profession. Daryl Morey steps down as the general manager of the Houston Rockets. What a time for change in Houston, Texas. He brought James Harden to Houston. He brought Chris Paul to Houston. He brought Russell Westbrook. And everybody wants the head coach fired. You know it. You do a show. They want to build O'Brien fired yesterday. I don't know where you've been, but I know what you've been. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once one, again, two. our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined me for this Tuesday edition. Uh, As you may or may not know, we are going two days a week, and we're going to start to incorporate some live stuff, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that throughout at some point. I'll touch on that and what we are trying to do to be more interactive with you guys, but to be interactive at all. And again, for the first timers and for those of you who have not done this yet, you need to go to the wadeswordproductions.com website. That's wadeswordproductions.com. Look around, subscribe at the bottom of every page, subscribe to the email list and become a recipient of the emails. So you can check those out and get emails from us and see what's going on with us. Also, the sports line, 24 hours a day, you can call us 832-941-6614-832-941-6614. You can talk about anything. You can question anything, comment on anything. And I really want your feedback, especially on some of the opinions that you hear on the show, whether it's from a guest like Butch Alsander or Jim Trotter or the Tox Doc, anybody. It doesn't matter. Give me your take on what you hear from the guests or my takes or takes from other callers on the sports line. But if you have a question, if you have any suggestions, 832-941-6614 and on social media at Wade's Word on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So all of those ways to connect because the bottom line is uh, it's about connecting with you guys and you guys reaching back out so I can uh, see what's on your mind to see what direction you want us to go week in and week out? What's most important in your sports world? That sort of thing. So this time out, we have a fun one for you because E-Rob 50, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, will join us. Uh, we'll have some headlines for you guys. I'm going to tell you who was not only nice, but who was D-nice this weekend. And then we'll take a time out here from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. When we come back, it's a new, maybe a new spin on an old segment that may run today and that's the soapbox segment so that that's coming up we'll have to see if we incorporate that then for every good team and good player this weekend there were several who still have the blues we'll get into that and we'll have a conversation with eddie robinson the former nfl linebacker our european sports nerd 
So we'll have a lot to talk about with him. Then we hand out Ulamon Awards. So you can always go to the very end to check out what seems to be everybody's favorite segment, the Lamont Award. That's at the very end of the show and before I let go. So all that's coming up. So with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, well, last night, week six of the NFL season wrapped up with a doubleheader on Monday with Kansas City, Buffalo, because of their COVID, all of that stuff. Uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, had to reschedule the game to Monday, early start, and it went about as expected. Buffalo played well, and Kansas City came out on top. Uh, and then the nightcap it was really disappointing that the Dallas Cowboys just were blown out again. And this time, I know that Andy Dalton will get a lot of the blame, and he'll get he he deserves some, and I mean understandably. But the issue was the team got down twenty-one nothing pretty quickly after a couple of Ezekiel Elliott fumbles, and Dallas's defense just cannot get it together. And I want to thank my man Cameron Drake. He gets a a D nice shout out for getting that trash time touchdown that gave me a win in fantasy football. So I won a couple dollars because of uh, Kenyon Drake's last-minute touchdown, which I had turned the game off. And I'm, I had resigned myself to, man, I lost. And then I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, I won. And then I had to go back to see the highlight of uh, the Drake touchdown. So shout-out to him for uh, paying golf for your boy. But other than that, man, this team is horrible. I, I think the offensive line issues are really, really big. I think Ezekiel Elliott, he'll rebound from those fumbles. It can get in your head. Ask Jose Altuve. But, it, you know, they, that's already his fourth fumble of the season. Two of those, and they capitalized on both. <laughs> Kyler Murray basically won a game with Jamel Holloway numbers. And if you don't know who Jamel Holloway is, that's back when the Oklahoma Sooners ran like the wishbone. And you would have maybe four or five attempts a game. I mean, that is a totally uh, total throwback effort from the Arizona Cardinals in, the, in defeating the Cowboys last night. I mean, he hit on the, the deep pass to Kirk. But by and large, like nine pass completions for the evening. And if you would have told me Arizona is going to Dallas and Kyler Murray is only going to have nine completions, I'm like, yeah, they got blown out of there. Uh, But, no, Dallas continues to struggle. But the good news for them is that they continue to lead the NFC East, which is just a horrible, horrible division. Now, the biggest news here in these parts, obviously, the Houston Texans losing to Tennessee after taking it to them. They were down early, came back, took the lead, had the lead late, had a one-point lead under two minutes, went for it on fourth down to make it a seven-point margin, and then decided to go for two. Now, I instantly went on Facebook on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page and said that Romeo Cornell was the big dummy of this episode. I pulled back from that just a little bit. And I've gone back and forth. I think fundamentally that still was the wrong decision to make. Now, Eddie Robinson and I will get into this conversation a little bit later on. But basically, it boils down to this. You want to make it as hard as possible for the opposition to tie that game and send it into overtime. That means that with under two minutes left, not only does Tennessee have to score, you're giving me one opportunity to stop them on, on a two-point conversion. 
So if you tell me my defense, you just have to make one play, no matter what you've done prior to, you have to make one play with all the pressure on them. This is an undefeated team at home in a division game. This is important to them. You just need to come up with one play on that two-point conversion, and we win the game. But instead of going up by eight, requiring Tennessee to have to go for a two-point conversion, they went for two, failed. And now when I go back and think about it, Romeo Cornell knew that team, and he knew what they were doing defensively was not working. You talk about a situation where you had Derrick Henry looking like Earl Campbell. I mean, he has some 1970s-type numbers, some 1980-type numbers. He had 226 total yards. I mean, this dude is a, a freak. A, I mean, he is 6'4", 6'5", 250, and ran 21.6 miles per hour on that 94-yard touchdown run. This dude is a beast, man. 264 total yards, 212 of those on the ground, two touchdowns, and the two-point conversion that they just couldn't, they couldn't stop him. So he he was unbelievable. But not only that, Ryan Tannehill had huge numbers as well. He had four touchdowns. He had a, a big day for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, that defense just has huge, huge problems. And they're going to have to fix those at some point if they hope to do anything. If, if they hope to get anything done, uh, they'll have to come up with a way to stop somebody. So uh, Eddie and I will delve into that a little bit. But I think... If you're a Texans fan, you have to feel a lot better about where this team is as opposed to two weeks ago. But the bad news is things get tougher next week. Well, as, as tough with Green Bay, uh, the Green Bay Packers coming off a loss to Tampa Bay. So they're not going to be in a good mood. They're going to refocus. And, again, they were previously unbeaten. I'm telling you, man, it is a – I don't man, the schedule makers just did them a number. It has been ridiculous – the way that they laid that schedule out for the Texans. And the Texans have just had – think about the teams that they've already played. Every team they've played with the exception of Jacksonville and, well, Pittsburgh, with the exception of Jacksonville and Pittsburgh were playoff teams last year. Tennessee, who went to the AFC Championship game. You look at a situation where you play uh, Kansas City Chiefs, defending champ, the number one seed in the AFC last year, Baltimore. I mean, this has been unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable and now you go to green bay so this is a murderous road I, I can't imagine anybody having a tougher schedule to start their season i can't think of one in a while with this has just been brutal and i don't know that we talk enough about that also in the big game of the week two big games cleveland and pittsburgh which I, that was a game i really was looking forward to seeing and it was grand opening grand closing because pittsburgh asserted their dominance and cleveland fell back to earth like people have been waiting for for a long time we've disproportionately talked about <laughs> about cleveland and now they fell back to earth blown out of the water 38 to 10 i think was the final and it was all pittsburgh it was over early and then green bay tampa bay another big game that was a huge game, the battle of the elderly quarterbacks, and one who had not been looking as elderly this season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he really looked bad, had a couple of interceptions. They had a 10-point lead and gave up 38 unanswered points. So that's going on. The other thing, the World Series gets underway. Last time I came to you, man, it was all about the Houston Astros, and I applaud those guys, man. Let's give it up for the Houston Astros. <laughs> I 
I mean, the Astros, look, to get to the seventh game of the ALCS was a, a phenomenal feat. Think about this. In game five, they pitched five rookie pitches. Five rookie pitches. You lose your ace. Then you lose your other ace to the Yankees. You lose Verlander. He, he has to have Tommy John surgery. Gary Cole goes to the Yankees. So he's gone. Now you have Granky and McCullers, who was coming back off of a major injury. And you had Arkady, who started the season with COVID. And yet, under 500, you get to the final game of the ALCS. Dusty Baker did a phenomenal job. I mean, uh, just kudos, big-time kudos to Dusty Baker for what he was able to do with this team. Correa, Springer, Altuve cost him a couple games, but, hey, he's the MVP. We we can't begrudge that because he's given us in the city of Houston so much pleasure and so many wins and, uh, you know, World Series championship. This team has been amazing, man, and you have to – look, if they can get – look, they lost their closer. That was something else I didn't mention. They, they lost their closer in Osuna. He had, you know, season-ending uh, surgery. So now if they can get the closer situation worked out, maybe if not Osuna, I don't know what they can do with the closer. But you have to re-sign Brantley, who's a free agent, and you have to re-sign Springer. Also, Josh Reddick is a free agent. So we'll talk. I think we're going to try to talk some some baseball at some point uh, this week or next. So we're going to get into that and talk about uh, the future of the Astros. But kudos to them. But Tampa Bay goes on to the World Series, best regular season record in the AL. Good for them. They take on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The I mean, look, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, at least in the last whatever. I mean, the last four or five years for sure. And so they'll have another crack at it. And if you've not seen Mookie Betts play, you have to see Mookie Betts play. Mookie Betts is a, an amazing, amazing player to watch. And he's one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid player in baseball. The dude is, is he has swag. He's a good guy. He's exciting to watch on um, both yeah, in the outfield and at the plate. That is somebody you want to keep an eye out for. So we'll, peek in on the World Series as that gets underway tonight. Uh, Nick Saban, this is funny, Nick Saban beat COVID in Georgia all in the course of three days. And, and I tweeted this, and I mean this. So, well, maybe I don't mean it. Cause it, and I have to think about that a little bit. But Nick Saban tested positive for COVID. They sent him home, and he coached from cell phone. He he. he Peered in on practice and had his cell phone, and he was looking in on practice, running practice. Next day, two days later, he said, "Look, I'm coaching. I'm co- I have a bunch of negative tests, and so I, that was just a false positive." I'm not sure about that. I and this is what I tweeted. I think he went to the SID and to the athletic director and said, "Look, tell him I'm cured. Tell him it was a false negative. Tell him any damn thing you want, but I'm coaching against Georgia." And he did that. He coached, and they kicked Georgia's again. And so, uh, but I just thought that, that was funny. But before I move forward and get into who was D nice, I do want to uh, give props to guys who got off that are not going to be on that list because they lost. Well, uh, a couple of guys for the Texans: Deshaun Watson, twenty-eight of thirty-seven. 
335 yards and four touchdowns. Man, that is an awesome day. You're supposed to win when you put up those numbers. Will Fuller, six receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. And Darren Fells, six receptions, 85 yards from the tight end position. He had a touchdown, six catches, I think, for Cooks as well. So, I mean, that offense did their thing. The defense let him down. Also, I already mentioned uh, Kenyon Drake, and I want to mention uh, Tannehill, who did not make – he could have easily made the list, but he didn't make the list this time out. But to be on the list, to get that D-nice label, to get the, the, the Devin Wade D on your performance, you have to win, you have to get off, and you have to just catch my attention. And that's exactly what happened for these folks, who are not only nice – well, they were D-nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. When you talk about teams who are D-nice, you have to start with the Tennessee Titans. A 42-36 win over the Texans, a last-second win. And I tell you what, it was amazing, led by Ryan Tannehill. 30 of 41, 343 yards and four touchdowns. Well, it was really led by a guy we'll talk about in a second. But Tannehill got off, and the Titans got off. They were D-nice in that comeback victory. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hey, they didn't let the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers come into town and steal a victory. They ran off 38 unanswered points to get the victory and remain D-nice. The Denver Broncos scored on six, their first six offensive possessions. They were all field goals, but it didn't matter because the Broncos go into Foxborough and defeat the New England Patriots, giving them their worst record since 2001. The Pittsburgh Steelers, hey, laying claim to the AFC North in a big way, dominating, desecrating, denigrating the Cleveland Browns 38-7 in Baker Mayfield. They still don't know what happened. The Steelers remain undefeated. They are D-nice. And finally, when you talk about teams that were D-nice, the Chicago Bears, the quietest 5-1 team in the NFL. They had a 23-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers. They were D-nice. You talk about players, not the real leader, the offensive player of the week, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, 24 touches, 264 yards, two touchdowns, a two-point conversion. One of those runs was 94 yards, 212 yards rushing. This dude is 250 pounds and 6'4". He runs the ball like it's 1976. Now, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons got their first win. Ryan did his thing. He's been putting up numbers all season long most games. He was 30 of 40, 371 yards, four touchdowns in that 40 to 23 victory over the Vikings. The Lions running back, DeAndre Swift, led Jacksonville to a 34-16 victory with 14 carries, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he, the rookie, had a monster day with 26, yes, 26 carries for 161 yards. He was D-nice. And finally, Julio Jones, eight receptions, 137 yards, and two touchdowns in that victory over the Vikings. All of those players and all of those teams, they were not only nice, but they were D-nice. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614.
You can call in with your take on that or anything else. If there was someone I overlooked, make sure you let me know that. 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, in the mix. And on the other side, I'll tell you how to have your music heard on the podcast. In addition to that, our conversation with Eddie Robinson, we might get on the soapbox. And, of course, we have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. a little bit too. My resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You can find him on SoundCloud. Look for him on Instagram, DJ Anarchy. That's my guy. He does his thing in a big, big way. But if you have music you want on the podcast, you can feel free to submit it. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We will play anything. We've had a variety of original music and it's been a whole lot of fun to share with you guys. And if you're a DJ, if you have a mix, we can play a snippet of a mix at the halfway point in the longer portion of the mix at the end of the podcast. So the genre doesn't matter. We want radio edits, and then uh, we will try to share your music with folks from around the world who listen to the podcast. So now, with that, let's get into something a little bit different. Now, I, I've been calling this segment brand new. but It, it sort of has veered into a different direction. And I thought it only appropriate that I change the introduction and the name of the segment. This is me getting on my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. So instead of calling this brand new, I want to testify and get into my some of my political stuff. Usually, and maybe not a lot. I don't I don't plan on doing this a lot, but you have to reflect the times that we are in, even on a mostly sports podcast. We talk a little bit more than just that. 
Uh, I want to do this also. I want to put the disclaimer out there that the views and opinions of Devin Wade does not reflect on anybody else that appears on the podcast. So I don't want anybody catching grief for something I said. And I don't think that my views are that outlandish. I'm, I definitely have an opinion. I know what corner I am in in this uh, particular situation. So a couple things. The debate is this week. And I'm like, who cares? Because guess what? I early voted. My vote is in. I don't care what these fools do between now and November 3rd. I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I don't even want to look at it. I'll look at the World Series because it's foolishness. Because we have the kind of presidential campaign that's become one we normally make fun of. Can you believe what they did in Venezuela? Can you believe what the guy in the Philippines said? Can you believe what the person in this small country did during the election? Well, now we can say, yeah, we believe it because we see it here with some of the craziness. I mean, you have people going after Dr. Fauci. Now, again, Fauci was a little bit soft at points. He was a little quiet. He let Trump get away with a bunch of stuff that he should have really corrected immediately and sternly and he let him make it on some of those things but i I hear on 60 minutes fauci said that he's getting death threats the only doctor that i know of that and i'm not saying he should have gotten death threats but i certainly understand why he got death threats was conrad murray for killing michael jackson other than that fauci is giving advice telling you wear a mask saying hey man we need to shut it down because people are getting sick so i mean I wish they would have kept that energy for Conrad Murray. <laughs> not that I want anything, not that I want to wish anything upon him. Let me be very specific. I don't want to wish anything on him. But I'm saying that's a guy you could get mad at. Not somebody saying wear a mask or stay home. <laughs> what the hell? This is this is Looney Tune Town, man. It's crazy. It, it, it's insane what we're doing to ourselves. And I hope that we evolve. But I blame. I I know who the culprit is. Well, I ain't, I'm not gonna get into that because that opens up another Pandora's box. But I did vote early. I'm happy about that. I'm very. It was very easy. I'm in a part of the country in the city of Houston, in the greater Houston area, where things are very, very contentious. Not not like Michigan, but I'm saying like there are question marks about availability, polling sites. We've had problems in the primaries. We, we've had problems, and, but it was so smooth. Harris County Votes does a good job. Fort Bend County does a good job of letting you know where you can go vote and you can basically check on the availability it's a really wonderful thing it's easy to do you can do it this week i think until friday you can early vote i think that's right maybe 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 this week and next week i I don't know but whenever it is i'm in the people around me have voted it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling, and I hope you guys. I mean, I mean, I vote all the time, but I, I don't. I've never voted early. I don't. Th- oh, you know what? I have voted early once, and I don't. I want to say that was for that was probably the last president. No, it wasn't the last president. Anyway, I have voted early once or twice before, but usually I don't. And I'm glad. Look, I will never vote on election day again. 
<laughs> so as long as I can early vote and make it this convenient, this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of democracy and have your voice heard. I encourage you guys. I'll save 50 cent for another day, but I will tell you this. It's important for you to get out and vote and do your thing and, and be heard. And I'm not going to even tell you who to vote for because I shouldn't have to because it's a common sense thing where common sense is not so common these days. So that's me on my soapbox. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Next up, I want to get into uh, the teams and the players who didn't uh, fare so well. I mean, you know, we have those who would be nice, but then we have those who still have the blues. Cue the music, JT. When you talk about teams that have the blues, you have to start with the Houston Texans. That team had the lead for 59 minutes and 56 seconds in regulation, then losing overtime. They allow four touchdowns by the quarterback. They have a all-time performance run up against them with Derrick Henry. They still have the blues with just one win on the season. The New England Patriots, two and three on the season after losing. They have the blues now. Not only did they have COVID, they also have the worst record they've had since 2000. And do they miss Tom Brady? We'll find out here soon. The Cleveland Browns, just when you think they have turned the corner, they turn back. They did a U-turn and got their beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers 38-7. They're not ready for prime time? I don't guess. The Minnesota Vikings, man, it's bad to give a team their first win on the season, especially when you were 10-16 last year. You have a young star receiver and one of the best running backs in the NFL, Dalvin Cook. But I tell you what, Kirk Cousins is not that dude and they lose to the Atlanta Falcons they have the blues the Atlanta Braves they were up 2-0 versus the Los Angeles Dodgers then they were up 3-1 only to lose in game seven they missed the World Series and the entire city of Atlanta despite the Falcons win still have the blues Cam Newton if you talk about players he has the blues not only did he have COVID he had a loss he was 17-25 157 yards two interceptions and he fumbled the ball did all kinds of stuff. They looked horrible. They were not ready for prime time. They have the blues. Talked about Romeo Cornell. You cannot go for two there. Make the other team make a two-point conversion instead of your guys. You still have the blues. Ezekiel Elliott, 12 carries for 49 yards, two fumbles. You cost your team the game because those turnovers happen at crucial times. He still has the blues. Baker Mayfield, they are about to start asking questions about you. You were 10 for 18 for 119 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions in the biggest game of the year you get a rib injury you get sent to the bench and a lot of question marks follow you still have the blues and finally ryan fitzpatrick has led the miami dolphins to a three and three record the last two games outscored the opponent 67 17 his quarterback ranking is seventh in the entire nfl what does that get him a spot on the bench as Tua Tagovailoa is about to get the start in miami he's the next starting quarterback so ryan fitzpatrick you still have the blues You guys let me know if your team, if your player or a player that you think still has the blues. If you are a fan, if you're, you know, did you see the Cowboy guy? The Cowboy fan crying. I don't know if he was crying about the Cowboys. I mean, could have been any number of things, but bad timing. 
He was crying in his cowboy jersey, holding a light beer, being consoled by his girlfriend, who was also wearing cowboy gear in Texas or in Jerry World uh, last night uh, when the Cowboys were getting drubbed at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. So it's time to bring in our guy, Eddie Robinson, our our Euro sports nerd, where he loves to talk about European sports. He's a, a fan of a lot of different things. But 11-year veteran of the NFL, and so many people send me all these positive messages about Eddie. Oh, Eddie is the man. Eddie's the dude. I'm like, Eddie feels like the father on what's happening. Now, now, this is a dated reference. But the father on what's happening, he would breeze through. The kids would love him. And then mom would be there every single day. She would be the constant. He's the variable that just sort of floats in, gets all the accolades and the love from the kids because he doesn't have to do the heavy lifting. And that's Eddie. Eddie didn't have to do that. He breezes in with his takes, which, again, I appreciate. He's a good guy, good dude. We enjoy his opinion. But you ought to hit him up, erob 50 on Twitter, and let him know yourself. So I don't have to tell him what you guys say. You guys can show him how you feel. Keep commenting any of the platforms that you listen. Make sure you comment, subscribe, like, all of that good stuff. Uh, but then leave a message. Let Eddie know how much you appreciate him, if, in fact, you do appreciate him. <laughs> And I know we all do. So here's our conversation with Eddie Robinson. How are you, Ed? Oh, man, everything's good. How's it going on your end? Your team's winning with, with your Astros? Uh, no. Nah, um, Tex? No. Nah. U of H? Uh, Jack Yates? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Yates, but, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, tough tough week uh, in the uh, city of Houston. Uh, tough 24 hours when you think about the Astros losing game seven and then the Texans doing what they did. We want to delve into the Houston Texans, Romeo Cornell. He got his first win. Then he went on the road to play Tennessee. Had him beat. Well, not really. I won't say they had him beat, but they really did a number on them. Let's narrow it down to the two-point conversion. They go for it on fourth down, scored a touchdown with under two minutes left to play in the game decide to go for two. So instead of being up by seven, they wanted to be up by nine instead of being up by eight. Do you agree with the decision to go for two or would you have taken the, the PAT? Well, I, I didn't really like the play call that they used to go for two. Cause to me, you, you, you have to give Sean Watson's your best player. So you have to get him, you know, out of the pocket with a chance to run, chance to pass, and, and you just got to put the game in his hands some type of way with a run-pass option. So I don't agree with the play. I do agree with the call because you're on the road. I mean, technically, you're playing a better team. You're one in forever. So, I mean, you, I mean you're, you're the underdog. So why not go for two? If you get that two-point conversion, the game is just about over. They would have to score a touchdown, onside kick, and a field goal. So you're, you're trying to win the game with your best offensive guy, Deshaun Watson. That's why I like that. And, and the biggest thing, I think, out of that whole game, the one thing that stood out to me was the coin toss in overtime. Because oh, once the yeah. Texans lost the coin toss, Deshaun Watson was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, he's like... He went to the showers. He was like, man, I ain't about to get the ball. And he didn't get the ball. So, so, so with the, as a leader of the team, was I mean, because everybody knows the same thing. Like, uh, he just like, oh, he knew it was over. Is that a good look for the quarterback? Should no, he no, have? that was a horrible look. Come on, man. You know it was a horrible look. It was a terrible <laughs> look. And it's something that, that Romeo Cornell, you have to talk <clears throat> with just to show in the wild. But, but he's, maybe he's fourth-year player, third-year player, leader. of. A, I mean, he has the whole franchise in the city on his back. 
And so, I mean, yeah, you you learn from that as Deshaun Watson, and it's uh, it was a horrible look. I mean, it was it was probably exactly what he was feeling. But sometimes he should have clapped it up, and he should have ran to all of those defensive guys. Let's go, man! Y'all just give me one chance. Hold him to a field goal. I just need one chance. You gotta hype him up, even if in the back of your mind you thinking like, man, this thing over with. But you know, you have to <laughs> give the outward impression that you believe in those guys because that I mean, he can't go play safety a linebacker. So hey, you gotta you gotta get those guys and let them know, hey, we're all in this together. So it was it was a horrible look on his part. I'm sure it's something that they'll talk about internally and as he matures as a quarterback i mean he'll he'll learn how to be more of that on-field in-person leader because the camera's always on so everything you do or say has to come from a position of leadership well you know and i've gone back and forth on it and any decision that you make that you don't get to win is the wrong decision so for me it it goes back to even if you allow tennessee to go back down the field you put the pressure on tennessee to make a two-point conversion I so, don't think that would have been much pressure if you looked at the way that they scored in overtime. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I understand, but Philadelphia faced the same situation, Baltimore, and they had to go for two to tie, and they couldn't make it, and they lose, ended up losing by a couple of points. But they were in that same situation with under two minutes left. They had to go for two for the tie, and because of the pressure on them, they, they didn't – I mean, maybe not because of the pressure, but for whatever reason, they didn't convert, and now they lose by two points. I just think you give your defense a chance by saying, look, you get one play to win the game. And that's, that's, if that's the case, so if, and that's, I'm going to reverse it. So if you told me, all right, here we go. Here, here we go, Devin Wade. Texans on the road against Tennessee, an undefeated team who's, who's – quietly probably one of the top two or three teams in the NFL right now, especially, you know, with the big guy playing Henry and everything. And I tell you, okay, you got one chance to beat the Titans on the road. Do you want to have your defense on the field to stop Henry for one play? Or do you want Deshaun Watson on the field and he gets to try to score for one play. Which one would you pick? Well, when you frame it, no, no, that which way, one would you pick? No, no, I would obviously I would pick the offense. Because okay, so that's best. what he did. He picked the offense. Case closed. Let's get on to the next time. <laughs> one last point on that. If you tell me I'm gonna give your defense all you have to do is stop a two point conversion. If you say, okay, I'm gonna give you a chance to win on a two point conversion of your own or defending a two point conversion, I'm I'm gonna always take the defending the two point conversion. I don't well, know that's, what the- that's not necessary. If if you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and you well, have a yeah, Rudy Poo yeah. and you have a Rudy Poo defense, I mean, if you look at Henry, he's built for the two point conversion play. I mean, you look at the touchdown they score when they put him in overtime when they put him at, at in the wildcat position. I mean, I I feel like I'd like my chances of that offense, you know, with my team leader, my franchise player scoring two points and winning right now, as opposed to my defense that's outmanned against their offense. I mean, you got to you gotta load up in the box to stop the run, and then they have these super huge wide receivers that you got to play one-on-one one against. And so, to me, I thought it was the right move, and you agree with me. You just said I would rather have Deshaun Watson trying to score as opposed to that defense not the 85 Bears. Now, if I had the 85 Bears and I had the other guys on offense, not no, no disrespect to sweetness, I would probably go with, well, let me take the 85 Bears stopping the two-point conversion. That's not what we got. We got the 2000 
Texans. And I'm going with Deshaun Watson scoring that two-part conversion. Well, let's go to the prop. Well, and, and just on that Wildcat play, and, and Romeo talked about it, you had a linebacker abdicate his responsibility. He was supposed to step up and make that play. He took himself out of the play. Man, if he would have stepped up, he would have been like Isaiah Robinson when <laughs> Earl Campbell did the IW March commercial and put that Rydell right in his chest. He could have stepped up a little sooner. He would have just got dragged the extra three yards into the end zone. So That me- man was outgunned. He had, they had people in position, but sometimes it's not about the X's and O's, it's the Johnny's and Joe's. And, man, I, I'm taking Henry from the five-yard line against anybody on that defense. Hey, so let me ask you this before we move forward, because I do want to ask you about the Texans defense. Because you play for a Houston franchise that became the Tennessee franchise. Do you root for the Titans or the Houston team? I have no connection with the Houston Texans at all, other than I live in the city of Houston. So you that's, root that, for Tennessee. That's my script to the front. I'm Eddie Robinson, and I paid for this mess. <laughs> that's my, I mean, think about it. I play with the Houston Oilers who left, and they went to Nashville and are now the Tennessee Titans. So all of the Houston Oilers who went into the Hall of Fame, the Robert Brazils, all those guys, they are now Tennessee Titans. They have nothing to do with the Texans. Your mayor wanted a whole new franchise with a whole new see, name and you, a whole see, new set of records. You know, we, we're gonna have to spend a whole show on this. Now hold on, hold on, time out. You can say what you want about <laughs> Bud Apples, but hey. Every check he gave me always cash. So well, he's a good yeah. man in my book. <laughs> hey, you sound like 50 Cent endorsing Trump. But anyway. <laughs> hey, man. What, how, you, what, how you connect them dots? Man, <laughs> well, all over the place. You know, because you're saying, hey, just because the man paid me, he's he's in the right. <laughs> no, well, actually, I feel like he was in the right since, since you want to get on that topic. And you still got that Astrodome sitting up there. This is the biggest, emptiest stadium that's been around for the longest out of any stadium in So America. you're not from here, because so you don't really the, understand the, the significance. Left, once the Oilers left, Bud Adams wanted a new stadium, and once the Oilers left, what did you guys do? You built a new basketball stadium. You built a new baseball stadium. And you came around and built a new football stadium. So, obviously, the infrastructure was inferior. Well, no, and you needed new stadiums. You just didn't want to build one no, for that. No, so understand this. So, so here's what you have to understand. You come to the – first of all, before you even got here, we were paying for renovations when he threatened to go to Jacksonville. So, we were, sti- we were still paying for those enhancements. And then you turn around and lose to Kansas city and you lose to buffalo and so at the worst and coming off the one of the worst seasons in franchise history you asked for millions of dollars in upgrade or a new stadium you wanted millions of millions of dollars of upgrades or you wanted the downtown stadium and then he and lanier got into it i'm not saying look both of them were wrong but what happened was after they left the Harris County, well, Harris County decided, okay, we need to get another team. We need to create the Harris County Sports Authority. And that, was, that way they created a, a way to pay, pay for all oh, of these Okay, uh, so statements. why didn't they create that? So, in other words, <laughs> because it was Bud Adams. It took, in other words, it took the Oilers to leave for the Astros and the Rockets to finally benefit. That's what you're telling me. When the Rockets weren't complaining, nobody was complaining. Obviously, everybody wanted the sweets. It was all about the sweets. You want the sweets because that's what you think you... the Rockets weren't complaining. They well, weren't I mean, complaining they, they wanted the they wanted the downtown stadium with the hockey. You know, they were trying to work on something with hockey. But I'm saying both parties were wrong. I'm not gonna say. But all right, Bob man, can, 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 yeah, can we man. get out? Can we get out this rabbit hole and yeah, continue yeah. on okay. with the, so, the uh, evening festivities? As a veteran <laughs> NFL linebacker, you spent many many years. 
defending. What do you see? What is so wrong? What is going on with the, the Texans defense? They're the worst in the NFL against the run. As a expert at looking at defenses, what do you see when you watch the games that, that is so uh, so deficient on that uh, defensive front and, and that entire defense? I mean, well, to be honest with you, I haven't, I haven't sat down and really critiqued the Texans from a coach's standpoint. I've probably watched it as a fan more than anything. And, I mean, it just comes back to basic football where you have to be good at something. So when you can't really stop the run, it just, to me, everything else just goes downhill. I mean, every every defense that I that I was a part of that was a good defense, you can hang your hat on that they're not just going to pick up the ball and, and run down the field on us at will and, and get six, seven, and eight yards. Because once you can't stop the run, then the safeties and the cornerbacks start thinking they have to help, and then it's play action, and it's just it's just downhill from there. A, a, a defense that can't stop the run is just not going to be good. And so I don't know if it's if it's a scheme part or a personnel. I don't think it's personnel. And so maybe they I don't know if it's an effort level. So I mean I haven't honestly I can't say well is this or this is the problem, well, but. Here's here's my thought on that. When you start talking about okay, what I know about the three four is that you have to have a guy in that a gap that that nose guard has to has to be the man. We see it with Pittsburgh having Casey Hampton. All, all the teams that have had success, you know, and dominant defenses has had a guy right there that nose go right in the middle that controlling those a gaps that you couldn't run through. And I, yep. without looking, I know they lost DJ Reader. And, and but I don't I don't understand I mean, something must be going on right there in the middle. It seems like if you can control the a gaps, then everybody else's job is easier to stop the run. And I don't know if that's the problem or not because I again I hadn't you got to really kind of look at the film to see. But it, I don't know I don't know what the problem is. Is it fixable? That's the question. Well, I think it's always fixable, <clears throat> and fixable can be you know through personnel or scheme. I mean sometimes I mean we. I've been on teams where we were, hey, we're going to be an attacking, blitzing, man-to-man team. Well, by the end of the year, we were running cover two because we didn't have the personnel to do that. And so I think you have to – I think the, the beauty of coaching, and, and I think Bill Parcells probably is the best example of that, you coach to your talent. You know, you look at when Bill Parcells was at the Patriots, you know, he wanted to pound the football, of course, run the ball 40, 35, 40 times a game, Phil Sims, maybe throw it 15 times. But he had Drew Bledsoe. So what was Drew Bledsoe doing? Drew Bledsoe and Ben Coast was throwing the ball 45 and 50 times, 60 times a game because you got a quarterback that can sling it. So I think what you have to do is look at, okay, these are the players that we have. Don't tell me what they can't do well. Tell me what they can do well. If they if they're in the NFL, they can do something good. So whatever that is that they can do good, you try to put them in positions to do that well. And then sometimes it's about simplifying things. I mean, sometimes you may be trying to do too much. If these guys can't grasp everything, well, let's make it ABC. Let's just play two or three defenses really good, and then I'll try to add on more as we go. And so, I mean, that's that's part of being a, a defensive coordinator. And it's hard when you're trying to fix it during the season because it's like, man, we got another game coming up. We have another game coming up. Part of the problem is they've just played some really – high-powered offenses early on. I mean, you're talking about starting off with the Chiefs and then, you know, Baltimore, I mean, the Titans. I mean, it's, it's some teams that's really going to test you defensively. So I think the schedule will kind of even out a little bit. And, and by the end of the year, I don't think that they'll be the last-place defense. I think it'll average out where they'll be, you know, maybe in the bottom half of the league, but they won't be in the, in the bottom five. I mean, I think they have better talent and definitely with, with Cronell better uh, coaching in that so i mean I, I would anticipate that things will get better will they be a, a highly ranked defense probably not but it, it's kind of like they're they're kind of underperforming and so it, it'll all balance out by the time the season
Yeah, and it doesn't get any easier. Now you have Green Bay. But after these last couple of weeks under Romeo, since Bill O'Brien has been gone, do you feel better about the Texans? Obviously, you look at Deshaun Watson having 335 yards and four touchdowns passing. You look at Will Fuller, six receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. Even uh, the, the tight end, six catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. When you start to look at that, do you feel better overall about the team or is it about the same? Well, you know, with, with football, it's like either you're a playoff team or you're not they have an extra playoff spot so maybe you can make it at with nine wins but if you're not a playoff team if you're not trying to win the championship then to me you're trying to get a high draft pick so honestly best case scenario for the texans no one gets hurt they win about six games and they get a top five or top ten pick. well that that's, doesn't that's, belong to them they traded that away to the dolphins the dolphins oh, on there on that. <laughs> <laughs> so nope so, so, that, I mean, that's so, not gonna uh, help <laughs> yeah so i mean but but realistically, I don't. I don't think this is the year where I where I see enough pieces in the locker room to say, "Hey, we're going to rally this thing and and get it going where we can where we can win nine games and make the playoffs." I mean, once you make the playoffs, everybody has a chance. So if it's going to be a, a middle of the road season and you don't have a first round pick, I mean, you kind of just on pause. I mean, hey, I, I guess the best thing you can say from a Texans fans is. We're not at the games. We're not spending money on tickets. So if you if you have that option to not go, I, I probably would not go. Stay home, stay healthy, stay masked up, <laughs> and just get on to 2021. So it's, it's like everything else in 2020. If you're a Texans fan, you're just trying to get to the next year. <laughs> yeah, and same with Dallas just about, except they're in first place in their division. I mean, just a horrible performance by them last night. What do you think about the, the Dallas Cowboys? And, and then I want to get into the Dak Prescott thing because we never got your take on it. Uh, what are your thoughts about Dallas last night and then about Dak and his contract? Well, I mean, speaking on last night, it just went downhill fast. I mean, when when your top two players, one of them's injured and the other one is underperforming, just having, you know, a horrible game, fumbling the ball. I mean, I mean, Zeke Elliott just had one of those games that, that come up. You know, it's, it's like a home run hitter going 0 for 5. You know, it's part of what happens and you have to accept it and, and man up and be better about it. And I, and I think he will and I think the team will. They still have very good wide receivers with Lamb and you know Cooper, and so I, mean, I think if you're in, you're in the situation where they can still get things moving because <clears throat> no one is taking control of the division, so you probably can win eight games and still win that division. If if you look at who they play the next, I think they play the Redskins and the Eagles, maybe. To me, the season doesn't really start to the second half. So if they can rally the troops, get to four and four and start feeling good about themselves, and and, and that's going to be small steps. You're not going to go out and beat the next team by 30 points. But, hey, you, it may take you to win by a last second field goal. So, I mean, I think they still have enough people in the locker room from a playoff caliber team where they can possibly win the division, which is not saying a whole much because the East is down, but it still can, you have something to play for this year. I mean, last night just, just kind of went nowhere fast. And, and the biggest thing, if I'm an owner or if I'm the person in charge is effort. And so effort is something that, that you can control. It's like playing hard and playing with passion is what the NFL is all about. And it's a privilege to to go in there. I don't care if nobody's at the game. It's, it's a privilege just to be at an NFL practice and even more so to suit up for an NFL game. So, you know, like, like the last play uh, that, that the, the long run, which, you know, absolutely helped me with my – I loved it because, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, I had the little running back from Arizona, so I scored the cheap touchdown. But from a Cowboy standpoint, it's like, come on, man, they're trying to run the clock out with a 30-point lead with two minutes left, and the guy goes for 60 yards. I mean, to me, if I'm the defensive coach, I'm that's the only play I'm going to play. I'm going to play that one play, then we're going to go in the next week. 
And like, if this is what we're about, then y'all need to get the hell out the room. And so, I mean, because you got to have some type of, you know, you getting your butt kicked in your backyard and you feeling taking it personal. I'd have done better if somebody would have got a personal foul and got in the fight in the last one minute as opposed to letting the guy run for 60 yards and nobody seemed really interested to be there. And so I think the effort and, and the passion is the thing that you have to really find with the Cowboys. And they're still a talented enough team, even without that, to still win some games. I mean, they haven't gone from a playoff team to a – you know, two and fourteen team all of a sudden. Well, I mean, they've had massive. I mean, they had the left tackles out. They had two Offensive other offensive injuries, lines. correct? Yeah, big time, and that, and that really, and not, and then the leader of your team. So uh, they have some big time, problems. and then they never have been able to shore up that defense this year, and it's just awful looking. But I want to talk about your division, and I say your division because you're a Saints fan, New Orleans native, and uh, Tampa Bay. Big win at home versus Green Bay. That defensive front looked great. They got a pick six. They put pressure on Aaron Rodgers all day long. It was it was a great day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you starting to fear them a little bit more if you are the uh, New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we caught Tampa Bay early in the first game, so I think that, that matchup when the Saints go down there would definitely be, you know, kind of decide who's going to take charge of that division. Brady is Brady. I mean, he's I think what he's turning that offense to is very consistent and very methodical where before with Jameis Winston, it was, hey, we either going to get 80 yard play or we're going to get three and four interceptions. So what you're seeing is a very consistent offense running the football, managing the game and an occasional big play here or there, which they were the exact opposite with Jameis Winston. It was like all or nothing. And so now it gives that chance to de- to me the best defense. It's a defense that only has to play about 50 snaps, especially in today's NFL where everything's moving so fast with so many passing plays and and speed all over the field. If you can control the clock on offense and that defense doesn't have to play but 50 or 55 snaps because you're controlling the clock, they're going to play just that much faster and be that much more aggressive and have that much energy. So, yeah, Tampa is is definitely trending up and moving in the right direction. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just how far they can gel as a team. Now, I want to go double back. and I, I, We didn't get to the, the Dak Prescott question. I want to ask you about that. He didn't take the, the long-term deal. He was playing under the franchise tag. It could be a mistake. What do you? What's your take on his decision in retrospect now? Well, I think in retrospect from a dollars to dollars, well, the franchise is like $35 million or something 30, 31, like that. 31, I think is what it is. Yeah, correct. So, to me, because the franchise was so high – and, and luckily for him, he doesn't have a career-ending injury or something that's, you know, he, he can't recover back from in one year. I mean, from what they're saying, it, it looked worse than what it really was. Yeah. I mean, he should, he should be ready to go and still able to play. So from his standpoint, I don't think it really hurt him because I would anticipate, and they talked about it last night, that the Cowboys would either still try to negotiate a long-term deal or he takes another franchise. So if he got $60 million in two years and you still have the ability to be a free agent the very next year, I mean, he's still in the driver's seat. I mean, $60 million, that's a lot of money. So, I mean, I don't i don't think it really hurt him from that. So I, I think he's okay, and I'm more than sure – I mean, he had some type of, you know, Lloyd's of London policy or, or some type of insurance policy against a season, a career ending type injury. And so, I mean, I, I think he's OK. I, he's still the person. And I, I think it, it may help him even more, especially if Dalton doesn't perform and then the Cowboys uh, don't look good. And it's obvious that the quarterback position is the problem. I think it'll let people know, like, hey, OK, y'all think Dak is just out here, you know, 
you know, not making plays and not doing this, but look at how we look when he's not here. And so if that happens, I think it's going to increase his value and it's going to put pressure on Jerry Jones to kind of give them the type of money that he feels like he deserves. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you about the World Series. Um, Astros fall short, but, uh, I mean, a, a great season for them, none, a great postseason, especially considering everything that they lost going into this year. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, the Astros season, the, the free agents, and then the World Series? Well, I mean, you, you can't just wrap up the Astros in, in one word like that. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you saw the thing last night with, with Jeff Lewin now, uh, you know, talking about his, his tail all on, on uh, network television down here in Houston. So, I mean, you're not even going to mention that? Like that I didn't mean, happen? To me, to me, whatever he says is is a uh, a lie because he, he's trying to he's trying to get back and he's trying to get back, uh, a job back. A lot of the problems that were uncovered was the culture that he created and what a what a horrible work environment he created in addition to the, uh, the other things that happened. But I and mean, so you I, know, and you know this how, because you were there maybe because of the MLB report, not because of what I think I wasn't there. It, it was the ML, the investigation done by MLB. And so well, the, the, I, I that, tell you what, nobody, and I mean, nobody circles the wagons like them Houston Astros, boy, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, the clean house. I, and like I said, you got to take everything with both of them, with A.J. Hinch as well. You got to take it with a grain of salt because they're not going to want to take too much responsibility because they want to work again. <laughs> so, right. Well, who, well, who would? And and well, my but, thing but I is think this. they should have. They should. I think they should have doubled down. And said, look, yeah, I knew about it. I didn't start it, but I didn't stop it. I knew about it, and yeah, I it's on me. I, the book See, I, it. I was I was just arguing with some friends of mine. We were going back and forth, text messages and talking. They're like, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have snitched and there snitches and everybody's on this big snitching thing. So uh, then they started to bring up, oh, you had the bounty gate in New Orleans. So then yeah, I took it personal. You know, and one thing about the bounty gate, of course, it didn't happen. First of all, we're going to put that out there. But the next thing is, is that everybody just took their punishment and they moved on. Sean Payton took his punishment. Greg Williams took his punishment. I think it may be a player. We lost a draft pick, whatever happened. And then we just moved on. Nobody complained. And of course, we were a small market team. We didn't, you know, Tom Benson, he wasn't a very influential owner. So we couldn't get away with all the stuff like the Patriots. They just cheat year in and year out and then i think honestly i think that they promise guys head coaching jobs to not tell because then everybody moves on and get a head coaching job and everybody acts like it never happened but we know something's going on there in in foxborough and nobody ever gets caught nobody gets in trouble but i think to me with the astros you you have to start and end with dusty baker because that was a a super toxic environment and i don't think anybody else but dusty baker could have came in there and just kind of pulled everybody together Tried to move the narrative on to, hey, these are you know good young ball players who made mistakes, and and they are sorry for it. I think everybody is sorry for it except Correa. But I mean, we we're gonna move forward, and, and we just wanna we just Correa wanna don't play give a baseball. damn. <laughs> That's what I love about Correa. Correa don't give a damn. Not what. Yeah, yeah. What obviously, you I say think you would like that. Yeah, oh, I love but, it. Love it. The, but the biggest thing I think with Dusty Baker, I mean, he's I mean, Dusty Baker, if you talk to, to Chicago Cubs fans, you know, his his fault as a manager is that he's too loyal towards players and he sticks with guys too long, especially pitchers when you probably should move on to the next guy. And so but I just love the way 
when Altuve was making those mistakes in the earlier games. And basically, you know, just you got to say it, he he cost him the ball game. His two play, games, yeah, two. Two games mm-hmm. actually probably lost. And you never want to say one play lost the game, but those were some huge plays, and they probably lost the game. And so it, it might have been easier to, you know, maybe sit him out or whatever, trying to maybe take him out in defensive situations. But I, it, you saw how Dusty Baker just put his arms around the guy and said, hey, man, you are a guy. You know what I'm saying? We You are basically the face of the Astros when you came up we were losing 100 games now we're here everybody knows that you're an mvp type player and we're gonna ride or die with you and then he gets a you know first pitch home run when he gets up to bat so i think dusty becker is the guy that out to me he's the player of the year and the mvp for the astros this year so, i think so too but yeah, yeah. Even, I'm, I'm even hoping that he, he gets the chance i'm hoping that he gets the chance to stick around and hopefully i mean he he's one of those managers you know, I look at him the same way I looked at Marty Schottenheimer and also um, Andy Reid. Yeah, it's, it's it's certain coaches who you just feel like they've given so much to the game. They've given their life to the game. You're like, man, if they could just somehow, some way win a world championship before they retire. And, I, and that's how I look at Dusty Baker. So I was really rooting more for Dusty Baker than I was for the Astros. But moving forward, I, I think I think the two correct teams are in the World Championship in the World Series. I mean, because you look at the Dodgers, they've been the dominant team for the last couple of years. I mean, they, they're still hurting from the whole Astros cheating scandal. Whatever. And so now they have a chance to go up there and, and, and to try to win that World Series. As that For the last five years, they've been like the best team and something has always happened and they couldn't get it. And in Tampa Bay, you have to – I mean, much as I'm, I'm a Yankees fan, so of course I'm not a Tampa Bay fan, but you got to admire the way from a small market team. It's, it's kind of like – the old Pittsburgh Pirates. It's, it's like a family affair. They just all, it's a bunch of guys that are kind of, you know, mostly usually younger guys and some older veterans because they're not going to pay for that big man guy. But some kind of way, they always put a great product on the field. They play hard. They play unconventional. And, and sometimes they can beat up on the big guys. So, I mean, it's like I would be happy with either team winning. I'm, I'm probably going to root more for the Dodgers just because I love Mookie Betts. I love the manager and, you know, have an African-American manager, you know, once again, and the chance to win the World Series title is huge. And so the Dodgers is just kind of like the feel good story of, man, they've, they've been knocking at the door for a long time. You would hate for them not to win it again. Yeah, and I think if you are an Astros fan, you got to look at the fact that, man, they're in game six, they pitched five – oh, no, game five, they pitched five rookie pitchers. And and they started a guy who had not pitched – uh, started a game outside of double A, you know, prior, in the prior year. I mean, like, you know, or single A, single A baseball. So, I mean, they, they have – I mean, you look at what they have with Framber Valdez, Paredes. Well, of course, you have McCullers coming back. Man, you have hey, Granky coming you what, back. The, you got the, some young arms, though. They just yeah, got to get scouts, the scouts for the Astros have been busy, and they have done a really good job, especially with the foreign players. That just, I mean, these guys came out of nowhere. It's like, what, were they even ranked? Or what, what happened? Right, because right. yeah. think about it, they're going to yeah. get Alvarez, uh, Jordan Alvarez back. Well, they may not get Osuna back until towards the end of the year, uh, and, and then they won't have Verlander. But you, I think you have to resign Springer. And it'll be interesting to see what the market looks like after, I mean, because of COVID and not having fans and not really knowing how many fans you're going to be able to have next year. You still don't know. Like, by by February or March of next year, it doesn't look like this thing is going to be resolved in any kind of way. So I'm sure at some point there won't be, you know, there'll be fans there. You don't know how many. And then we'll have to see what happens after flu season and everything else with COVID. But it's hard to commit to a lot of money when you've taken a financial hit over a couple of seasons. It's one thing to have one year 
shot down because again they only played 60 regular season games now you got to face these adversities again next season so maybe that'll help the Astros keep Brantley and Springer Reddick is another guy that's up for free agency but if they can get that worked out man if they can get at least two of those three I mean really you want Springer and, and Brantley if you can get that worked out and you get healthy I think man this is going to be another really wonderful year moving forward so yeah I, I agree I mean if you're an Astros fan you have to be excited about 2021 I mean you had you was able to get through 2020 and not have to take the harassment of you know hey you cheated you cheated you cheated so from a player and a fan standpoint standpoint you have to love that to me, if you're an Astros fan, you should be so rooting for the Dodgers because the, nah, the Dodgers is like the one team that won't let it go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just they but, will not let it go. I mean, if you go out there to L.A., I mean, when the when the Astros came out there, they had so many signs. I mean, they had some very good creative signs. I mean, these guys were were just like killing the Astros with the signs and the paraphernalia and so. But if the Dodgers win the World Championship right now, I think they would let it go. I think they would get over. It. They would bury it and say, "Hey, we've just won a World Championship." You know, we still don't feel good about 2017, but we're going to go ahead and move forward. But if, if somehow they don't lose, if they don't win this year, they're going to blame the Astros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I like, so, and that's why I don't care if they win because they, I mean, I like Dave Robinson. I, I do think they, again, you got to have to give credit to the team that has done the best job in the regular season. And so with that in mind, you say, okay, well, Tampa Bay and the Dodgers were the two best teams. And here's the funny thing. One of these teams will be the second world champion in their city. If it's the Dodgers, of course, the Lakers won. But if Tampa Bay wins, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. So it's a good year for one of those towns. Uh, and they'll have two championships of the major sports. So that's pretty interesting. So um, before we get you out of here, Titans play the Steelers Sunday, the Battle of Five and O's. We don't normally on Tuesdays give our predictions, but I'm going to let you get your prediction in on the Steelers at Tennessee on Sunday. One thing I learned when I first got to the Oilers, we, it was two big weeks, and that was always Steelers week. That was the rival. You're going back to the days of Renfo and Love Your Blue, and I'm sure that they still have that same type of emphasis right now. So I'm I'm double down. I'm going with the Titans all the way. I think this should just be – yeah, not like a classic AFC Central matchup because Pittsburgh throws the ball more, but we definitely know what the Titans want to do. They want to run the football, be physical, and play strong defense. So that's a recipe that's won many a Super Bowls and many a championship. So you have to go with the Titans. Got, it got your team to the Super Bowl, right? With it yeah, absolutely. Three then, yards in a cloud of dust, win 13-10. Al Del Greco, let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any Euro sports going on? Oh, of course you have Euro sports, I mean, man. You got the Gs. How, how much do you want? You know, you got the Not Giro that much. Not, we don't want <laughs> You got the G. Let me let me finish, man. You started. You said next. Now you got the Giro <laughs> d'Italia going into the last weekend. For for you, to, for most people know about the Tour de France. Well, that's the big 21-day race in France, but there also is one in Italy, which is Giro d'Italia, and you got the Vuelta de España just starting, which is the one in Spain. So you got two grand tours crisscrossing the course Formula 1 the Lewis Hamilton is just stacking up wins. They got they have another race this weekend. So I'll tune in with you on Sunday morning. All right. Well, hey, man, how can folks reach you on social media? Uh, at erob 50 on Instagram and Twitter. Well, we'll catch up next Tuesday, man. Like, like I said, and, and by the way, I think I speak for all of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade folks when we say, hey, man, we don't want you riding a bike around town. Man, too many bad things can happen on these bikes, man. You may, can you go to a velodrome somewhere and ride instead of riding on the streets? 
I just got a Swift where I can do the online riding with y'all. I'll probably do that once it gets a, a little bit colder. But, you know, during the week, I'm on the bike trails mostly. So, yeah, you have to be kind to cyclists. You know, you and as a cyclist, you always have to act like the cars are trying to hit you. So it makes you a better driver because, it, you know, I, I try not to ever turn unless I actually see eye contact. But, yeah, it's it's been a couple dangerous uh you know, things that's happened over the last couple months with, with cycling. But the more cyclists we have on the road, the better. So I encourage everybody to get a bicycle because when it's a whole bunch of cyclists, then cars are more aware that cyclists are on the road. Mm, I don't know about that in Houston, man. They, they try to run over small cars, let alone a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so. they're, doing a, they're doing a great a great job with the bike trails, actually. So, you know, Mayor Sylvester Turner, and then every time I look up, they're, they're doing another bike trail. Now, they may have cars. Well, the big thing is, you can actually get a ticket and I think and towed for parking in the bike lane. Now, I think they just changed the rule where it actually they up the fine or whatever it was. So I think your car can actually get towed if you park in those bike lanes, which, you know, when they first put the bike lanes, everybody thought it was a parking spot. We're like, dude, it's a bike lane. You see all the green and arrows and people would just park right there. So then, of course, we had to go around into the street. So it's a step by step process. <laughs> well, hey, man, we appreciate it. Hope we catch up with you next Tuesday. OK, talk to you guys later. Always enjoy Eddie Robinson. Hopefully you do as well. And uh, be sure to hit him up, Erob50, on Facebook and on uh, on Twitter. So with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. And this time out, I am going to go to the Dodgers. Now, you know, they've complained quite a bit, and they've been loud, and their fan base have been, have been the worst as it pertains to complaining about the Astros. But guess what? You lost game seven at home. You stranded players. It's you. It was. It's not us. It's not the Astros. It's you. You didn't win. But when they do win, and they you know, look, all joking aside, this team does deserve to be where they are. They've been a quality team. They just weren't good enough to beat the Astros or the Red Sox or the Nationals last year in the NL. So, I mean, it is what it is. They're back. They have their chance. And I like them to win. I think that they're favorites to win, but, you know, Tampa could be one of those teams destined to win it all, whatever. I don't care, kind of. I mean, I'll peek in on it, but I really don't care since the Astros are out of it, but I'll look at it. But Cody Bellinger, in the celebration, they came back. They were down 0-2. Then they were down 3-1, came back and won. Cody Bellinger it was a big part of that. He had a big, big play, and in celebrating the big uh, – it was a home run. In celebrating the home run, he banged forearms, a celebratory forearm bang with another teammate. And what did he do? He dislocated his arm. <laughs> so he got hurt in the celebration. Now, he's set to play tonight in the World Series, so he should be good to go. But you can't imagine he's 100%. I can't imagine at all he's 100%. But he reminds me of a couple of players that I can think of. Because mostly, that, that's the most baseball thing you can think of. You know, guys falling in the bathtub, guys 
cutting their finger because they were clipping their fingernails. I mean, I think more than any other sport, baseball has these issues. But there are a couple of high-profile guys that I, I remember getting hurt in celebrations. in well, Not high-profile, but guys that were in the NFL. Bill Gramatica, Martin Gramatica's brother. I don't know if you remember this. He kicked a game-winning field goal, jumped up to celebrate, and tore his ACL. I mean, he was done for the year, and essentially I don't know what kind of career he had left after that. And then Gus Farratt. Gus Farratt, and he did this not even on a game winner to tie the game at seven. So it had to be in the first quarter. He did a headbutt against what he thought was cushioning. I guess it was a cement abutment or whatever. He messed his neck up. He hurt his neck, and I think he was out for the year. So, Gus Farratt and Bill Gramatica, but Cody Bellinger is another in a long line. Now, he could you imagine if he ruins his performance in the World Series, celebrating, getting to the World Series? That is the most Lamont thing you can do. And for that reason, Cody Bellinger, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you can get caught up in the moment, but golly, banging forearms? <laughs> what are you? What do we? We need to come up with something more appropriate. But nonetheless, it happened, and the Dodgers and Rays will get underway tonight. So uh, we'll peek in on that. Well, with that, before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy, Eddie Robinson. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank you guys. Want to remind you, give us a call, 832-941-6614. Reach out to me. I'm going to do some Facebook Live maybe tonight. I don't know. We'll see. And, uh, and then we'll figure out a way to incorporate Facebook live with the podcast. You guys give me any, any suggestions that you have along those lines. And also want to remind you guys, go to the wagesworthproductions.com website, the wagesworthproductions.com website, and on social media, I at Wadesword on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Also, on Thursday, you know, we have another Why We Kneel segment with Kalina, and we look forward to hearing from you guys for another We the People segment. So, we have some fun stuff coming up for you on Thursday. Give me your feedback. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, how you feel, what are you into, what are you not. But remember, always remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.